All right, roll for initiative. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. The only way I win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lot motion, everything in between. Welcome. On a Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you. We just have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your role-playing game. Because the only way to win a role-playing game is, is to, to have, have fun. Our Patreon backers. What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's the only way to have fun is to back us on Patreon. Oh, oh I see. Is that what we're telling everyone? I'm Ryan. I'm the curmudgeon. Joining me, as always, is Carrie the legend. Hello. And Jason the favorite. Woo. <laughs> well, uh, for those of you just joining us, that was the part where Jason normally is funny. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. It's witty, where he tries. Okay, Trixie's yeah. gonna fill in. There goes Trixie the memory hound. Since I'm connected remotely, I have been drinking. So fair, fair. <sighs> anyway, it's hilarious when I'm drinking. If you're also drinking, mm. <laughs> well, uh, we are uh, here. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Mm. I see you've already got the uh, Morona Blues. It's true. Yeah. I do. Anyway, let's talk about our patrons. Woo! We have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast and back our podcast. Uh, the money goes to our podcast. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world is happening? If you back us on Patreon, <laughs> you get free stuff. Wait. You get uh, free postcards, free books, free uh, free prints, and uh, free shout-outs on the show. And uh, the money goes to a good cause, uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, in all seriousness, yeah, in all seriousness the, it pays for it pays for our, our soundboard and for our uh, mics, our and mics, and it pays for the the web hosting and all these. that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, we are excited to now give the shout-outs to the folks who back us at the wizard level or higher. Ooh. Yeah, so who's our patrons? All right, we've got Josh Heath with Werewolf the Podcast. Sweet. We also have Joel Eastland, who uh, color collars don't run. Sweet. Or is this? No, wait. Sweat. Gross. <laughs> Gross. I'm done. <laughs> we have Salim Hollaby. Or we oh, also have Salim Halabi. Halabi. I was closer. Halabi. Yeah. Sorry, Salim. All right. We got Ryan Martin. Drew Stevens. We have Ryan Galliato of Byways LARP. Cameron Pruitt. Who is my favorite. Hey. Yeah, always. Mm-hmm. And then what about Noah Coltrip? I'm glad you asked. This week, Noah Coltrip is staying home because he, you know doesn't want to go anywhere he's got coronavirus depression Aww. he's sad <sighs> he can't see his friends we're he, here for you noah he just wants a hug from somebody Aww. but they can't touch him because of isolation
It's wearing on him. No, it's wearing all right. And of course, the patron saint of our podcast, Sarah. Well, if you'd like a shout out on our podcast, we'd love to give you one, and you can get one by going to patreon.com slash podcast and uh, becoming a wizard level or higher backer. Yay! Sweet! When last... Sweat! Stop it! When last we left our <laughs> intrepid adventurers, we were sitting on this Zoom call recording a podcast, mm-hmm. and here we are again. Mm-hmm. Carrie, what's up with your week? I have just... I, I had the worst migraine ever yesterday. It was only affecting the right side of my brain, and I could actually feel the divide. Oof. Like, yeah, it was it was it was a bad one. Um, so I have been doing art when not uh, paralyzed. What about hmm. you, Jason? What you been up to? Uh, well, by the time this comes out, my wife will have gotten her kidney stone removed in one kidney. And she'll still need the other one. And I'll have be getting, are we, uh, let's see, what's the day, Tuesday? Yes. I will be having my uh, uh, gallbladder out the next day on Friday, mm. unless we release late again. Sounds like an exciting, exciting week in the, Goodness. in the Hughes house. Yes. Yes. Goodness. Everything comes together at once. Well, as always. Both be feeling better at the same time. I doubt it, but we'll okay, see. Look, Why not? I'm, I'm hoping. Sure. I'm hoping. What about you, Ryan? I've been, uh, you know, along with you, struggling to help Dakota make sure that her her schoolwork yeah. stuff goes with the the home. That might be stuff. why I had the headache. It's true. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I've also did you I also, figure that program out? No, but nobody at her school okay. has yet either, so it's okay. Perfect. <laughs> So, so what, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just also going to say that uh, we got a couple of new role-playing game we books, did, too. That's did. kind of exciting. What'd you get? Uh, well, I got a couple of Werewolf 20th Anniversary books because uh, they were on, like, super crazy sale. I got the Kinfolk book and the Book of the Umbra. Um, one of them has really cool art, and the other one's all right. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, Carrie got one, too. Yeah, it's uh, Knights of the Underbed. Yeah. It, that sounds cool. It's actually really cool. You basically play stuffed animals and toys that are knights that are there to protect your child from nightmares like and monsters. Um, what's really cool, though, is I went, I'm going to read this book. And I set it down and I turned around and the book was gone. And Dakota's been reading it. Yeah. Oh, is she going to run it for us? She I don't know. says she is. She said it was really awesome, though. She's really yeah. liked it so she far. She actually told me that Puppy Giant was going to be an NPC. Oh, that's good. That's smart. Yeah. Wait, is it called Nighty Nights also? No. No. That's a different one. But I know that is one. It? No, I don't know. I just make stuff up sometimes to sound like I know what I'm talking about because it's a podcast. I, I see what it is. There was a Kickstarter, and that's the subtitle uh, in the Kickstarter. Nighty Nights. That's fair. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. Let's yeah. go to combat round. All right. Welcome to Combat Rounds. Uh, today is kind of an interesting show because we are being joined by someone from the future. No, I'm so excited. Right? Uh, 
So today we are being joined by Brendan Faithful, and he is a LARP runner who is actually from Australia. So he's here to talk a little bit about what LARPing is like down under and also uh, what uh, he also has some thoughts on some ethics about LARP. And we're going to hopefully talk a little bit about all that stuff. So hi, Brendan. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All of a sudden, before we started recording, he was like real talkative, and then we started recording, and he was like, "Hi, yeah. hi, hi." That's my interview mode. Yeah, like I've, I've done another you know um, podcast thing before, um, and I was doing it with a, this is going like sound crazy, but I was doing it with someone who's pretty well known in Australia, and it was the same thing beforehand. We we're joking about like, yeah, oh maybe we'll have wine or whatever, and it's like, all right, we're going live, and they went live, and I just like. <laughs> awesome well brendan before before we really dive into stuff uh why don't you just take a second and, and tell the folks a little bit about the uh the larps that you run and and you know the the games that that you like well there's only there's only one that i've successfully run so far um there's another one that i inherited from a friend that i love um didn't manage to keep that going um but uh, X's Battle Up is in the nerdball sort of field of things. Yeah, you know, it's a weekly battle game, get people together in medieval fantasy kit and have a bash. We also ran our first festival event in September of last year. We we're looking to do a similar thing again this year, but you know, the whole world's on lockdown. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose that's really all I've um, all I've run so far, you know, myself, I, I say myself too. It's like, I do it as part of a team effort. You know, it's not right. just me. I think <laughs> I'd tear my hair out if I did it alone. Sure. And so, uh, one of the things I think is interesting is that you actually used the term nerdball when you described that, which is a pretty new term. Yeah. Have you guys not? Yeah, we have. Heard We've heard of no. it. We definitely okay. have. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, there's a, it, there's a guy named Matthew Webb who is here in the States that uh, is kind of loosely credited for coining it. LARP here in America kind of credits him. So you talk about nerdball. I'm assuming it's defined kind of the same way as it is here. Do you guys also talk about like like Nordic LARP and use some uh, some of the, the same, all those same sort of parlor jargons, LARP. parlor LARPs, boffers? Yes, yeah, no, we, yeah, we do. Yeah, so it, um, ner nerdball is kind of, um, you know, um, like we obviously know that we inherit it from an American context. So, you know, um, Mr. Webb may have well coined the phrase. Um, we always understood it as kind of, you know, a pejorative that it was a bit of a, you know, um, a put down and we sort of flipped it on its head being like, yeah, I know it, but what up? Um, well, I think here in the States, but, it's a pejorative, but it's mostly because uh, typically in the States, uh, the whole game is not playing nerd ball. It's just one or two people or a, a little, a, you know, a small faction of the game is playing it. And then that, right. that yeah, ruins yeah. the game or, or can ruin a game. Okay. Uh, but yeah. I mean, if, See, if yeah, that's the whole point. We sort of have the, <laughs> well, yeah, like we have a whole host of games that run up and down the East coast where, you know, the point is to, you know, play for the win, play for points, you know, play to one up kind of thing. And, uh, and I think, I think it's, it's healthier to acknowledge that, you know, right at the outset sure. and, you know, better adopt the, the put down, you know, it, it has like, it obviously has its own problems when you, you know, play for keeps, so to speak, but, um, <laughs> right. 
I mean, do um, they still? Do you still ha- all have yeah, characters? I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. Sorry, you all you all still have characters though in things, right? I mean, is there any role yeah, playing? Um, yeah. Um, so it de- it depends on the thing. So um, generally, the weekly games that a lot of these um, battle games run is purely a fight. It's just you rock up and you have a bash. Some people might get a little bit into character and um, do a bit of role play. They might act things out at quarter time, half time. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a scene, right. um, but mostly everyone comes on field, <clears throat> have a swing and a hit, and then um, you know go off, have a breather at quarter time, water, um, and yeah, it's it's more like a you know, weekend sport activity in that way. <laughs> generally, these organisations that run these weekly battle games, they generally use it as a revenue generation source. So you you run the weekly games to get people along to just have a casual fight they pay whatever they pay and that builds up funds that way you can funnel that into setting up a longer form generally aiming for something like a festival um, style event there's a big fascination here in australia with the big three Drakenfest, mythodea and bickling and there've been attempts in the last decade or so to replicate that in some way with you know, greater and lesser levels of success. And one organization in particular has been sort of until recently heading that up. And then um, a couple of years ago made the decision to shift more towards, well, they decided they wanted to be a Warhammer LARP. So they did that. <laughs> Are they still moving more towards uh, uh, um, role play and uh, character driven stories as opposed like you know kind of like one of the interesting things about uh, uh Drakenfest is the fact that it is character driven and also a battle larp at the same time is that yeah. what people are trying that, to create there that's that's kind of um i think that's kind of the thing that appeals to a lot of aussies um because <clears throat> i think th- this is another factor that i think a lot of people kind of forget is like that sport creates a a way of life and tribalism in Australians. And even if you're a nerd, you still have that feeding into your socialization. And so when you get to a game and there's a fight, you, you know, you, you, you find yourself slipping into that tribal mentality and, and, you know, it's again to, you know, greater or lesser degrees. So I think that's why they like particularly, you know, Drakenfest, in particular is because of the, you know, division into groups, you know, that allow them to play a character in a world, have a story while still playing for keeps. That's one of the things I find fascinating about it too, because it's so easy. There's a lot of uh, battle arps in the United States too, uh, that I would say similar to what you're describing, they, they have characters, but at the end of the day, you're not making a lot of decisions based on what your character would do. You're making optimal decisions in a fight to win because <coughs> and uh, games like Drakenfest find this middle ground where, yeah, you can fight to win, but you can also do it in a way that makes sense for your character and let you create a story, not just fight. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think part of that comes down to organizer intent. If the organizer intends that it's justified or primarily a fight um, or that it's just a story or primarily a story, you're going to get that here. And part of that, I think, comes down to the fact that Australia is massive with a low population 
um, per square kilometer. You know, that's like why the, you're all the population density is not like you would find in Europe or the United States. That's why you're all so sporty and athletic is because you have yeah. so far to run to other people. <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up on a farm, um, not even that far out. I was only a couple of hours out of Melbourne, and my neighbor, if I walked to their front door, it was a K. So made me pretty fit for getting into nerdballing. <laughs> What is the, what's, what's the gender ratio like with, with LARP there? Is it, you know, because you're talking about, uh, with nerd ball, it sounds a little more physical. Does that affect, you know, like in America, we have a lot of trouble getting females to come out to, to the LARPs and things. Um, I, I think most of that is because they don't feel comfortable. That's happy. what I was going to say. Some Not of that. Yeah. Of yeah. Some of that is because Americans are, are suck. misogynists. <sighs> Yeah. Well, look, the, there's, um, I, I think, I think there's a bit of that in the LARP scene globally, the, the physical aspects too, I think come into it in the fact that again, more, more towards battle games, but I do have a caveat I'll get to at the end more towards battle games. Um, because you know, they're coming up against, you know, guys, you know, you know big guys, you know, generally you know more muscular or heavy set or whatever, and even smaller blokes, are not going to want to get wailed on by some giant, you know, right. um, you know, in all their kit, you know, but as much as, as much as that sort of perception of, you know, getting beaten on by a big guy um, or negative cultural aspects, I, I think there's a lot of very good community spirit towards f- trying to find a gender balance in Australia in, in any game. I can't comment for, a lot of the New South Wales games, Queensland, one of their games that, that I used to know the organizer of um, before they stopped, which was Warsong used to have um, a pretty good ratio from, from what I could see and by all accounts um, of, you know, guys and girls. There's also a sort of concerted effort by, a number of games and particularly recently after um, a number of recent scandals, the end of no start of 2019. So start of last year um, around, you know, demonizing you know, more uh, vulnerable people in the community um, by again, a very, very small minority. Yeah. But those groups are always so loud and they ruin it for everybody. Well, these guys were doing it in secret and they got outed. Oh um, yeah. And one of them was um, a chief organizer of mm. one of, well, what is arguably the biggest nerd baller game here in Australia. Yeah. And he was saying some really, you know, sort of nasty stuff, but all sort of in secret, the group got infiltrated and all this stuff came out. Yeah. Which then like, it's not to say that they hadn't thought about these things, but there wasn't like a sort of concerted effort. It was kind of a, a laissez-faire neutrality towards equality. So it's sort of like, you know, we don't need to intervene because everyone is, yeah, everyone's e- equally entitled and everyone's um, got the same rights. You know, we like, there's, there's no, um, no need to redress despite sort of discontent for a number of years that they didn't deal with people in the community that, perhaps fed more into that perception that deterred a lot of women and perhaps members of the queer community from playing. Again, that's not to say that they didn't because they still achieved quite a high number of those people playing the games, but that could, um, can also be argued that it's because they are so large that they have those high numbers as a proportion 
like the ratios are fairly consistent, whatever game you go to I think, right. um, across Australia. But in terms of parlor laps and things and story intensive laps, you do tend to find a better ratio. I think that's more, again, a bit of a disinterest from men than um, a greater interest by women. See, Americans are all fat and lazy, and so the guys are just as interested in parlor LARP as they, you yeah. know, they're like, <laughs> they're like, what? Go pretend to be someone who's super athletic and active, but sit on a couch to do it? I'm in. <laughs> You're wrong. Like, there, there is a bit of that. Because <laughs> it, it gets bloody hot here sometimes. <laughs> that, uh, that argument that Ryan was so easily come up with, that's the one that he used when I said, hey, let's go to a Buffalo Arp this weekend. That's right. I was like, no, I'd rather go pretend to be someone else on a couch. I'm fat and lazy. Yeah. I can pretend to be super athletic. I've got athletic five and that's out of five. And look at my tag. I'm wearing a suit. Yeah, that's right. Actually, that's something that we don't really have here. Like anymore is, um, tags and cards. Really? Um, yeah. One of the biggest things that took hold here at the start of the 2010s, maybe even earlier was a shift towards things that didn't necessarily need to be directly supervised. So it was, it was the, the rules limited your actions to what you could do yourself. There might be some bonuses or abilities within those rules, but ultimately you could resolve them with the people on hand without having to defer to a ref or, you know, um, pull out cards, you know, check stats on tags, you know, like that real sort of can you give a specific example stop start sorry can you give a specific example of something that's changed for the better like that like a specific mechanical rule you used to have to deal with that people have changed so that it's simpler i think um i I think because it's more it like it's more it's more a sort of a a whole mood change that again it's been influenced by um swordcraft which is the biggest game here in australia that they wanted things to just be quickly resolved. But that was more because again, at the beginning, they had more of an intent about it being about, you know, about the fight. You don't want things that I used to play that had a lot. So in in trying to make sure that combat flowed freely. Yes. Other rule, other rules they wanted to flow quickly as well. So that way you didn't have to stop and, and, and break that you could just have that continuous flow. In the U S a lot of games that are battle arps like that, uh, at least used to, and maybe still now, use a lot of like uh, calls, like you would say your damage and things like that. You know, hit yeah. points, is is calls, that something that's being gotten rid yeah. of? Calls was also something that Sawcraft sort of led the thinking in in steering away from. Again, simply by dint of their size has meant that they've had such a um, far-reaching influence mm-hmm. on the attitudes of the community nationally and the community's they're in that make them up in each state territory and across the country is soulcraft um, uh is, is soulcraft a, a fantasy game like is it like a dungeons and dragons ish kind of thing yeah they're, they're the ones that i mentioned were you know sort of more broadly um medieval fantasy and then you know pers- were pursuing for a time something that was pretty much built on the dragon fest model um, right you know separate camps competing for a win um but sure. then switched to like a more you know festival kind of thing where everyone was like camped in together, but you were still competing in factions. And then have since transitioned entirely to a Warhammer LARP set within a particular setting. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your game like? 
Exodus Battle Up, we wanted when Sawcraft made the change again, there, there was sort of some controversy around that because a lot of the players knew that Sawcraft were looking to do something to create a change and, you know, sort of reinvigorate some stuff that made up their game that they just sort of turned around and announced that as of this date, we will be a Warhammer game. And there was a, you know, a whole bit of uproar about that. And fundamentally, while I have nothing against sort of the, you know, Warhammer franchise and the stuff that Games Workshop puts out, particularly, I mean, like I, I play, you know, Warhammer games, you know, love an IG tank company, but <laughs> I was not interested in playing a Warhammer lot. So I wanted to provide a medieval fantasy game that strove to create that hybrid environment that Drakenfest provides where, you know, there is some story and stuff, but also opportunity to fight at the same time. I had been for a number of years, you know, pushing for, you know, different changes or things that I saw as important to not only myself, but members of the community, you know, different friends and things that I had through a number of different efforts, different warband leaders, different group leaders, you know, coming together and trying to sort of, lobby the organizers to make changes was a part of that. And there was a number of people who led this push for a number of years. And often we felt, you know, as though it was ignored and not given sort of the regard that it should have been given, you know, at times the numbers of people bringing the concerns that we did um, to the organizers. And that was the other thing that I wanted to do is it organizationally provided a democratized model. What does that look like in your game? How does your game govern itself democratically? Yeah, there's a bit to unpack just in that little question. Um, <laughs> okay, well, never mind. Sorry, I won't answer. So we are we are registered as um, a private company, which is not something that a lot of LARPs do in Australia. A lot of them register as either community sport organizations or not-for-profit entities that are limited by guarantee. We were a proprietary limited company, limited by shares, but there is a very, very small pool of shares that are deliberately undervalued, like they're worthless. And <laughs> there's, and they're split only between myself and the chief financial officer so that if we ever have to have any sort of vote around the nature of the business, we can still consult with people, but the chief financial officer and I go, oh yeah, look, it was a unanimous corporate vote as to what <laughs> the players wanted. So basically the way we did that was that in the constitution, the rules that govern the business entity mean that we are beholden to certain aspects that we have to operate that come out of the player community. Uh, an example of that is we feel it's kind of pioneering as a concept and we have kind of, I say we, this one's actually on me, that, that I have stumbled on um, managing effectively. Uh, which is our um, community standards team. So we have a community standards document, which is basically a list of appropriate and inappropriate behaviors, so to speak, you know, in sort of wording, but essentially what it says is, you know, what the community deems is appropriate is what will be accepted. And then separate from those that are directors of the company, and the, uh, and the, like, and the LARP itself, there is two players that are elected a, oh God, 
I'm going to mess this up. The two players that are elected, a, a house leader that's elected, and then after that, the directors appoint two members of the player community. The idea being that you essentially creating this jury. And the reason for the, elect, the election is that way you have representatives from just the general populace bring the, the views those the the sense of what is and isn't appropriate directly from the community that the house leaders get a say in what is and isn't appropriate as well um and they get one fifth of the say which is you know probably a fair proportion given the numbers of players that we have and then after that the directors what we do is we seek to address anything that might, might be missing from what considerations should go into that and people can demonize quotas all they want, but it is a kind of quota system in that we will deliberately look for people um, of diverse sexual, gender, and racial backgrounds to balance out what is predominantly an, a white population of LARP players um, in Australia. And I say predominantly, yeah. And again, within the umbrella of white players, there's all manner of excuse me, different histories that inform that. But you do need something other than just a European perspective um, on some of these things. And much as, yeah, like I said, much as it can be maligned to say that, you know, you include quotas in a democratic process, a democratic process doesn't necessarily give voice to marginalised people all the time. And that's why only two of the positions are appointed by directors as opposed to us appointing all five um, and part of the reason is this community standards team they govern the behavior not only of the player community but of the referees of the friday night games and the the events um, and the organizers that work also with the directors and um, the directors behaviors within their community as well so let's say um, i'm i'm a player in your game and mm -hmm. jason hit me really hard <laughs> yeah how do so I, I think a question there would be intent so if he intended to to belt you oh that, he did that he did yeah yeah that that's an attitude thing whereas like if if he was just caught up in the heat of the moment getting carried away referee would generally can't tell him to pull the head in or depending on how serious might give him a card and our referees follow the um international fencing um <laughs> model with the yellow red and black so yellow, um, you're off for a round or maybe the remainder of a round of the next round. Red is you're off for the remainder of the night. And if it's serious enough, they might report it to the CST if there was attitudes that went along with the rules infraction. And then black is that you are not to attend games. So it's generally for really serious stuff. Right. And if there was, so if Jason hit you very hard and there was intent, that's an attitude thing. And they would refer that incident to the community standards team to review. Okay. So the refs can make the call at the time and, and have that autonomy. It's up to the CST to make sure that any mistake in that call is redressed or that the decision is upheld um, and perhaps enhanced if it feels that the referee's action wasn't necessarily uh, strong. Enough. And what if, so what if the, the referee is Jason's best friend and I'm like, well, they didn't, they didn't judge Jason right because they're showing him favoritism. Can I bring it to that, to that council? 
to that yep, group? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So what, there's another there's another element too that um, anyone doing any work for us um, and. All our work is voluntary as well too. So there's no obligation to do it, but without volunteers, we won't have games. So I think a lot of people sort of recognize that. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's not just referees. There's a lot of other things that all the players even just like contribute, you know, and offering to do things. But right. yeah, even if, even if Jason's best friend was a referee and the referee went lenient on him, you as a person can report your concerns with that to the CST directly yourself. Right. On top of that, as I, was, as I was about to say, and I got off the point, but there's a thing we call the professional standards declaration. Originally, it was intended just for the directors and any organizers that we work with, but we extended that down to um, referees. So anyone acting in any sort of moderating um, capacity for the game is bound by the professional standards declaration. Yeah, which on top of the community standards, it's it's another it's another level of, of, of behavior regulation. It's also another step up in intensity of that. So you are held to a higher standard. And part of that includes an, an implication of impartiality. No one's going to be perfectly impartial, um, but at least being considered enough, like if you give enough consideration to your decisions, you can achieve at least the perceived and something closer to impartiality that it results in a decision that would be much better respected by players. An issue that we've had in the United States with organizations that have strong uh, player elected governing boards is that they will uh, make changes that are viewed as favorable for their clique. Is that the rules and things? Yeah. Is that a thing that can possibly happen there or is that something? Yeah. I, I had this conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, it's actually been, there's a couple of our uh, not, well, I don't know what the Buffalo orgs because I haven't played in them in a while, but in some of our Pearl orgs, it's been a significant issue over the years. Yeah. And look, one, one of the things that like um, getting no, um, some LARPers from the United States, you know, I've heard about different things, you know, like, hosting of private events to give extra XP and things like that. Um, <laughs> we hate that. Yeah. And it turns out it was just a barbecue where they invited their mates and didn't tell right. the whole player base to give their mates a boost in the game. Thankfully with Exodus, we won't have that problem because we put down an initial rule set that was sort of reflective of generally what people liked in a battle game. What we expanded was the expectations of combat magic because magic in a lot of these battle games had diminished to the point where it's just looking like a medieval slugfest with people in, you know, fantasy costumes. Right. Um, so we wanted to bring some magic back into that. And what we initially did was at one month and two months of running our first weekly games, we took surveys to understand the attitudes. We made some adjustments according to what, people said there could only do that after publishing a report. So we published the results of the survey and our inferences of that survey. Then we ran another one um, at the six month mark. And we ran our annual one back in, um, we're supposed to run it sort of end of March, start of April, but that was when Rona was really starting to hit here and, um, it was sort of delayed until May, but we weren't running games anyway. And then we ran our first annual one. And so every year now, Exodus will run a rules review survey where we will you know, basically say, are you happy with this rule? Each in turn, every single rule. Um, oh, wow. And 
depending on the satisfaction. And then there's open, um, open answer sections that people can give suggestions for brand new rules that we might trial, um, adjustments to existing rules. Um, can it, they can even suggest striking things that they feel don't work as well. That's why yeah, Jason, that's why Jason pointing, struck me. Yeah. <laughs> he said I wasn't working. So he hit me super hard. Uh, so exactly. you avoid this problem by having such a large democratic, uh, democratized process that a, a small click doesn't have the ability to dominate. Pretty that much. Yeah. It's, it's, like it's, it's, um, it's, Very yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, I suppose it's, it's more an anarchic approach. So um, one of the things that inspired me and it was an article I read years ago about Bulgarian elections and <laughs> how they were looking to do them online. So everyone would get like a, like a little um, USB chip is the only way I can describe it. Like it was, it was like an ID chip and yeah, you like plug it in. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah. And that would identify you securely and you would, you would vote online and they were trying to have like an, um, an entire election cycle. I think they trialed it in their capital city for the um, council and mayoral elections or something. Um, and that, and that fascinated me given that there's less risk of a laugh organization, you know, being infiltrated for political purposes. <laughs> right. right. Um, I, I um, you know, other than, as you point out, you know, the interests of a click to win um, an imaginary game, um, hey, those are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and that that was that was part of the that was part of the concern that I had was that nothing like this exists in Sawcraft. Uh, it was one of the issues that I constantly had, and I and I have, re- have repeatedly butt, butted heads with um, the president over there over the years while I played, and it was just brushed off or I was told, you know, to, to, to be quiet. And one instance he threatened me with um, defaming him when I, when I, and this was the first time I, I actually tried to be more moderate about it. Cause previously I'm like, you can't make this change cause it just favors this group of people, you know, or this equipment type, you know, like this is, this is not fair to the broad player base, you know, <laughs> this weird obsession with fairness and equity. But anyway, <laughs> It's not really um, weird. It's right. So. Yeah. It, look, it, it might be right, but I guarantee you in Australia, it's weird. I, oh. I, Exodus is, a, is still a very small game. And I wonder um, if, if some of this, uh, if some of this democratic kind of mindset, uh, if part of the reason it works for you all is because it's more nerd ball and less character driven. Well, Maybe I mean like, but there is so. Then this is the thing: is that it, it makes it makes our business processes more intensive. So that chews up a lot of time. Sure. Um, and on top of that, because we're it, essentially we're managing a small company that um, constitutionally, you know, um, can't turn its own profit um, and won't pay me, and I'm not allowed to play. Which is you're, uh, you're to go back to you. Not allowed to play. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. So initially, initially it was it was a point because the. Um, it was a point to differentiate again from Sawcraft because uh, this is part of the reason it's called Exodus is that I have um, some friends in marketing um, from working in um, banking and finance sector over the years. And he had some, what do you call it? Like not polling, but like, um, you know, where they get the, the potential customers and stuff in and they review like, Oh, would you buy this product if it looked like oh, this or if it was called this? Yeah. Um, oh, now yeah. Like, like market, yeah, like market research. Basically. Market research type yeah. things, yeah. And he he had one of these coming up, and we and I 
myself and the chief financial officer, who were the first ones to sort of kicking this idea around, we had some names kicking around. I had one that I really liked, which was Exodus. And, and I asked my mate, I was like, yo, do you think this would work? And he goes, like, I think it's, I think it's good given the context. And he took it to one of these things and he recontextualized it, but basically said, yeah, that would sell. And it did like our first couple of months numbers were well above what we were prepared to cater for, (laughs) um, which I think is partly why we lost um, a number of players very quickly. And that's, that's fair because we were not expecting that uh, that level of um, initial interest. Yeah. So how big is your rule book for this? If you put them all together and you include the weapon and safety stuff, like the, the weapon and equipment safety stuff. Yeah, like everything. You've got the main rule book, the magic rule book, and the weapon and safety stuff says three. And each of those is no more than six pages. Wow. Oh my gosh. See, because I love and, you and I want to complain and, your and game. And half those, half, those, half those pages are, are only half filled. And <laughs> even of those that go to the bottom, the, we try to keep the sentences as short and concise as possible. I was asking because yeah. you had said that your, your player surveys every year, you know, ask about every single rule. I and, and I was what? thinking about, I, I don't know if you're, you probably yeah. at least know, know of World of Darkness LARPs. Um, I don't know if there yes. are any there, but uh, one of the things that struck me is, I mean, you know, the, the, the werewolf, the werewolf LARP book is 900 pages and I'm not voting on every single rule in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a, there's a very interesting book that was written back in the seventies called the tyranny of distance. And more what it was about was Australia's notions of itself, political formations and things. And because we were so far away at a time when instant communication, like we're using today, didn't exist that, you know, it developed its own weird little microcosm trying to, um, you know, be Australian. And I think because our LARP scene started probably a bit like that um, from, you know, not, not as bad, but a bit like that from stories that I've heard from older LARPers, you know, where there was you know, expansive rule books and intricate rule systems and that, that had like a bit of a grindy crunch feel to them. Right. There wasn't an interest for that. And I think part of the Australian attitude, you know, of wanting to sort of get to the point. That's happening. To, that's happening in tabletop games in America. Right yeah. Now. Led, led to an interest in, in, con, yeah, in condensing, contracting and even striking pointless bits, which yeah, like, and, and that's, that was a bit I was going to get to is that in tabletop games, they're aiming for the beer and pretzels um, is the, is a common expression approach. Right. Yep. And I think that was a similar thing as, you know, for us, it was, you know, beers and beers, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the, that, that approach was, was something that evolved here as well. Um, and I think one of the other things that we were lucky for that, tyranny of distance, so to speak, is that we didn't get that influence from America that I know that still a number of European LARPs sometimes have, which is they seem to just be this translation of D and D to costumes. Yeah. Um, And and that's like, it's not, that's not, that's not a bad thing. Um, It has its place, but it is extremely limiting as a system in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You can't, yeah, you can't just, you can't just pull out the pathfinder book and say, we're going to play this, but for realsies. It's, <laughs> you can, and, and it's just it, not good. Expect it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, like you, you could do that, and it probably would be a lot of fun, but it would be slow. It would be, you know, 
step by step, you know, you would probably get as far in real life as most parties do playing Pathfinder or D and D in a tabletop <laughs> over six hours. Right. Are, which is nowhere. <laughs> so are there, are there Nordic style LARPs there in Australia where they're really intensely character driven? Yes. And- yeah. A hundred percent. One of the best, most recent examples is one that I love and it's called Black Powder and Bloodlines. One of the things that it was trying to unpack was um, an exploration of colonialism. So it's set in a fantasy world that, that has sort of two continents that we know about um, that, approximately resemble Europe and, you know, four great powers that are all simultaneously colonizing this new world um, with an indigenous orc population where there is a higher level of fantastical events in that they want to explore, you know, themes like isolation, uh, clash of cultures, uh, of, of, of cultures that, you know, aren't familiar with one another and, and then how they might resolve tensions And they did have as an idea, you know, notions of independence and rebellion as well, which kicked off in the first game and have since been the dominant dominant theme for the, for the whole of the game since. And then they focus on, you know, there's a whole lot of things around of rules around like, you know, um, making medicines and um, making food and things, you know, that require you physically acting them out. And their combat rules are like three lines long. (laughs) Uh, that's high that's hyperbole they're not literally three lines long but it's basically you get shot you're wounded and might die you get hit with a weapon you get wounded you might die if you have any armor it stops blades and that's kind of it right so what brought about your your interest in the ethics of larp because that's something that Um, you you're you had expressed to us you were particularly you know, was particularly important to you. In fact, Dan, uh, Dan Comstock, who's been on this show before told us a story that, uh, uh, he once tried to buy you a a beer at dragon. Do you want to, do you want to hear the, do you want to hear the story? Yeah. yeah. So at dragon fest last year, I was lucky to meet Dan. Um, and I also met Sam Stone and Zach Hirschberger, um, creators of Damarung. Sam helped Dan with village of idiots and I think Zach's also worked on a couple of other games that I'm blanking on right now. It's they don't listen anyway. It's yeah, okay. Mal- oh, don't they? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, and I, I was lucky enough to meet them, and we decided when Sam and Dan got to Germany to Drakenfest, um, this is just before the festival, would go into town for lunch. Yeah, you know, and um, show them this cute little town that. Zach had found and he showed me and then we went to this little cafe for lunch and we're sitting there we're having lunch and then Zach and Sam sort of lean into each other and they start like like whispering you know muttering and I look at Dan and he's just sitting there with his arms behind his head and he just kind of like shrugs and like you know looking at me and uh, and then they're like and Sam like leans forward he's like we're gonna buy everyone lunch on the company and I was just like all right stop me there <laughs> while I appreciate the gesture I can't accept this. Uh, and they're like, what, why not? And I had to like do some talking real fast because I was worried that, you know, I'm going to end up causing some offense if I wasn't careful. Yeah. I had to quickly explain my way through the whole ethics of Exodus and, <laughs> and myself, you know, fundamentally, you know, um, I think went over well that I was just like, I'll pay for mine. You guys can shout each other all you want, but I'm going to pay for mine. I got back to Australia 
and spoke to my CFO about it afterwards. And he was like, well, no, it was a personal gift to you, not you in your position <laughs> as managing director or to the company. So, so did you mail Dan your receipt <laughs> for reimbursement? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this because it, like, it's a spoiler, but it's a, it's a laugh that I'm working on. Do you guys, um, I don't know why I looked around. It's not like he's going to be in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan. Um, he, I can assure you right now, you guys, he's, you guys still seen he's still in the past. Yes. still in the past. Of course, yeah. He can't get to me here. Yeah, he can't um, get to you in yeah. the future. Yeah. Look, it's all bright and white. Like, it's the future. Right. You um, see, it's getting dark behind us. <laughs> yeah. You guys have seen Community, yeah? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Dan Harmon show. You know Professor Professorson? Yes. yes. <laughs> right. So I reckon Dan would make a convincing professor. Yes, he would. Right? Okay, good, good. So myself and my girlfriend have come up with an idea to run a community lab. While we've been in isolation, I've just been like writing. It's been three things I've been writing, which is like, you know, political stuff, poems and new LARP, which (laughs) half of all probably never even look at running. One of them was a community LARP. And so, yeah, you have things like, ladders history of ice cream <laughs> and you know um contemporary conspiracy theories or whatever the, the class was called yeah. um and if i can convince dan to come out i'll get him to play professor professorson or <laughs> professor woolly or you know professor garrity and yeah and we just run classes as though it was as though it was greendale so that's that's a teaser for something i'm working on well and then and the your the big final battle at the end of the weekend is just is paintball, paintball. <laughs> yeah, well, we did consider like how we would do that, but our gun laws actually exist over, oh, over here on that? the future. So, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's not so easy to do. Do you have paintball? Yeah. 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 But uh, we can't just have a paintball gun. Um, you need licenses. Like you actually okay. need licenses. And okay. yeah. Um, and, you know, funnily enough, your background uh, actually matters. What? <laughs> But what about my liberties? Oh. Yeah, my freedoms. Yeah. He's trying to say that he can't get one. Yeah. <laughs> can you? Oh, no, I, no, no. I, growing up, uh, growing I up can. on a farm, like I, I grew up with a like a, a gun under my bed. You know, like, you know, like, For the like I, I, I get the I get the idea of like you know, you've got to have a gun. Yeah, well, it's it's um, Australia. Now it's just a LARP gun that you know that shoots a bit of smoke and a rubber band. Right. Just, you have to have a gun when you live on a farm in Australia. Every single animal on the continent is there to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I should, um, I should, I should come to America and run Australia the LARP, yeah, oh and then just gosh. like that would be amazing. it's got to like, be what we yeah. think it is, not what it really yeah, is. What you think it is, I'll run that as a LARP, and you guys can, yeah, it could be, it could be like a, you know, a busload of American tourists get lost in the outback, and then your know, bunyips and drop bears just. <laughs> I would play that. I would definitely wow. play that. So, well, if well you, when Rona's over, <laughs> there you go. If, if you do do the community LARP, if you do do, if you do do the, the community LARP, if you can guarantee me I get to play Betty White, I will come. <laughs> I'm down. So long on one condition, you have to like actually like shoot a blow dart into a player's neck. I'll, I'll pra- handle the lawsuit. <laughs> I will pra- I'll practice right now. I'm sorry, honey. We don't need a new car. Again, to like to go on this track, like literally, all we did was we went through and we found every every verbally or written mention of like a class in community, and we're like, okay, these are the classes that'll be taught. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I want it. So all the joke classes, but I guess we can have one serious one. 
I feel like I could play like I, I want to do I want like a Troy character, you know. I like LARP, but also not. But not. <laughs> <laughs> we we've been going through community with our daughter. Yeah, we so have yeah. Yeah, so we're in what we just season four, we I just think, started season four, which is the the gas leak season. You know. The... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Didn't yeah, I really just finished happen. rewatching the whole thing too because it's just you locked inside. What else mm-hmm. are you gonna do? It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I was that was one thing. I was always a little sad that Community never explored LARP. It seems like so right. Yeah. It, it it felt like you know like you know they do Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and then right. you'd think like. That the third one they could have done was laugh, but <laughs> they never quite. Hit it might have been well, a stretch too I, far. I always thought that they kind of brushed up against it on a couple of the paintball episodes, so they didn't kind of. I mean, they did Star yeah. Wars, you know, like yeah. it, it was close. And yeah, they check. did Star Wars. They did like you know, everyone was like cowboys, and they were all in character and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they had um, what's his name, Josh? Um, yeah, the handsome Black Rider. Um, yes. You know, like, and everyone was in character, so it was like watching a laugh episode. There might have been, you know, elements that influenced that because Dan Harmon is a famous nerd, right? Well, and you know, Chang wore blackface, oh so I mean, that, that's, that's almost LARP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a drow. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that, that's something that I think is uh, like is interesting is what influences like. Yeah, you, you talked about ethics. Is it like that influences the ethics here in, in Australia now? Is it because you have a lot of very um, vocal discussions online, you know, that overcome that tyranny of distance I was talking about earlier about what's appropriate and what's not? We find ourselves in Australia discussing, you know, I might be in the future, but two days after <laughs> you guys talk about after doing blackface that, you know, we start to have a really intensive discussion about it here in Australia. And it's not that I'm saying like that the discussion shouldn't be had. What I'm saying is it's, it's, it's interesting how in the LARP scene, a lot of what we see reflected in our politics is in, in impacting um, our LARP attitudes as well. Yeah. Because in, in a lot of ways we, we suffer on, um, a, a bit of a cultural burden from our closeness with America um, that Australia, you know, is, you know, inundated with a lot of American media and things. And then that also impacts LARP communities and their attitudes to what they want to play and how they want to play it as well as what is appropriate. And the blackface thing is, is a still an ongoing thing here. Um, I don't know if it is in America. It, it um, is. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think it should be, but, but it is, you know, it's interesting because blackface is such a blackface as a, as a racial construct is a very American thing. It's based in American, American Hollywood media from, you know, from a hundred years ago and things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there's also an interesting thing. Like the, the Dutch have some, they've got like a traditional thing. It's a holiday, a holiday elf. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's some sort of holiday elf, but it's it's a gollywog. Like it is basically a gollywog. Yeah, um, and we had. Um, you know, do, do you guys? I, I don't know if you like. You know the 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 word the gollywog. Those little teddy dolls that they would have for little girls. They were they were essentially Al Jolson blackface teddy dolls. I don't know if there's huh. a different word for them in America, but in Australia they were called gollywogs, and 
Um, and, and sometimes not now, like the, the use of the phrase has died off in the last 30, 35 years of, of, you know, of gollywogs and gollywogging, but a gollywog doll was what they were called. And I think it might've been the brand name. And, um, and they, yeah, there was some amount of, um, popularity with them here so much so that my mum was given one by her mother when she was growing up and I was going through some old toys at my mum's place at my grandma's place a couple of years back. And I saw this thing. I was like, Holy hell. And this was sort of around the time that the, the blackface right. thing yeah. was kicking off in, in LARP. And you're like, what is and, this horrific thing? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, and cause it had like the, the, the cartoonish red lips and things, you know, um, and you know, it just, it was, it was a stereotype in a, in a doll. And yeah. And then I was like, I was trying to explain to mum, you know, like that it, that it's become a whole thing. She's like, oh yeah, you could never have that now. Like kind of shrugged it off, but like. You yeah, shouldn't have yeah, had it then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It just sort of didn't, didn't see how bad it was going to be perceived now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, you know, our, our take on the whole blackface drow thing is really, I mean, this is here as, as the three of us on the show anyway, is like there, I think there is certainly a very complicated, complex discussion that you could have about debating whether or not depicting a fictional race is, uh, you know, should be equated with depicting an actual race and an actual offensive stereotype of that or whatever. But ultimately we feel like that's the wrong conversation. Like I can yeah. we kind of feel like the correct conversation that we should be having is just is wearing that black makeup for your drow offending a bunch of people of color who are playing in your game? Is it making someone feel uncomfortable? Then don't do it. Like it's to us it yeah. just feels like a kindness thing, you know? Like Yeah. If if a bunch of people wrong. don't want to play in your game cuz you're wearing blackface, then maybe you shouldn't be wearing blackface. You know, and you can easily change it to purple. Dark purple looks better yeah, anyway. and that was the thing because elves elves have um have a pretty high popularity penetration here in LARP communities in Australia and by extent there's quite a number of people who want to play dark elves and and drow and generally here we follow the kind of modern popular although it's not necessarily accurate the modern popular interpretation of the four kinds of elves that you see in in the um in the editors um of Norse mythology you know with the um the light dark black and um the other ones that i've forgotten but there's four and um (laughs) (laughs) um and they you know and that they see you know a dark elf is not the same as a drow you know kind of thing but there are still people who want to play a drow and so this there's this experimentation that we're still sort of living through here at the moment i imagine it's probably similar in the states where people are they're it's not, it's not that openly talked about, but the impact is still there where the people who play these things talk about amongst themselves what they can play. And they're experimenting with, um, you know, silver and gray and, and purples and things mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of, you know, mid-90 blues and stuff um, and trying to see what looks, you know, appropriate and what doesn't. Um, and, you know, and there's still some people who are sort of on the wagon that, given that it's an American history thing that it's not something that, that we need to like, you know, have the big discussion about or, you know, prolonged consideration for, but something that like recently came to light again, because of our um, dunderheaded prime minister, who's saying that there was never slavery in Australia. And there was this whole notion of blackbirding, which is probably what lends itself to us having 
um, you know, collywog dolls in our parents' history of toys and why we should in Australia probably be talking about whether it's appropriate or not to be doing these sorts of things as well. But I think to a less intensive degree than perhaps in the United States. Right. Well, is there anything uh, you've got working on that folks that you'd like to, to share with folks? Uh, you know, I, we don't, we're not uh, the number one podcast in Australia yet. Yes. We, we may be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. I think uh, one of the, one of, one of the things we've been promising for a long time for our players at Exodus was um, uh, a campaign system. So something that would take a bit of that tabletop element of moving around a map and bumping into monsters and resources and things and giving that to houses, to, you know, groups of players, you know, to sort of compete or cooperate on a, on a campaign scale, as opposed to just moving around a map and fighting like an, you know, sort of upscale um, tabletop battle game. We're still working on that, but we've made some like, yeah, and we've been working on that since you know more or less the beginning, but we've made some um, pretty good headway on that recently. Hopefully we might have something, you know, ready by the end of the year that when we start getting back to running games and being able to run shorter day games, um, like day adventures and weekend events, and then our longer festival forms, we can start feeding that information back into the campaign system um, and players can have a better interaction with the world. The other thing that I've been working on is a tabletop version of the LARP itself. So while we're all in isolation, that way, like we'll have like miniatures made up that represent the, the, the different houses and their different themes and things. So we have like barbarians and samurai and elves and things. Um, and then create, uh, I've, I've created a synthesis of rules that once the table's finished and the miniatures are done, we'll be able to play Exodus online and have players come in and, take control of, you know, one of these forces that represent the, you know, the players and their, um, the different houses in the two teams that generally fight on a Friday night. And we'll see if we can live stream that. That's that awesome. Cool. That's fun. Yeah. Well, if you ever, if you ever, you know, finish up on that, uh, um, community game, make sure you let us know. <laughs> so yeah. before, yeah, a hundred percent, like that's, that's, that's probably, you know, one of the ones that like I'm most looking forward to. <laughs> Um, awesome. when, when Rona finishes, is it like, I can just set up a weekend to invite people to pay for a ticket to go to school. Right. Like that's, that's going to be the best prank of being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys like community. Yeah. Well, let us know. Maybe, maybe we can run uh maybe we can run a, an American one, you know, it'll be, oh, it'll, it's, yeah. A hundred percent. So if, so yeah. we, I started to say it would be like, it would be like village of idiots down under, except it would be community. And then I stopped because I realized like, we refer to you all as down under. Do you call us like up top or. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we try not to, we try not to think about the top and bottom relationship that Australia and the U S have. Uh. Well, Carrie has a question. She always asks all of our guests. So, so before we go, we're going to throw this last question at you. So, Carrie? Sure. So, what was the very first role-playing game you ever played? I suppose if you wind it all the way back, you know, my brother and I had this sort of very cohesive world that we kind of imagined when we were like eight sort of through to 14. And it was, it was sort of like this weird science fiction fantasy thing and like we were like different people you know like that we would act in that i suppose that's the closest thing to like any sort of consistent role-playing game that um <laughs> right. that i did first but 
um, in terms of an official sort of um, game or anything, it was Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I want to make a comment on that. Uh, (laughs) When I was was that age range, uh, I had a, a, not really like, like yours, probably not a mechanical game really that I made up. But it was certainly like a bunch of story and like a drawings and maps. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, it was me and a buddy at school. He wasn't nearly as into it as I was. But <laughs> it was another guy that was really into it too. Right. And we became enemies because that was how we were. That that was the role play. Is that we <laughs> had each other. And yeah. uh, we didn't like each other in real life for years because that was. <laughs> This whole thing that we created of these opposing countries and stories that, that you know, like uh, uh, armies and just all kinds of stuff, right? You were that, doing awesome. You were yeah. doing bleed that, before it was like even what bleed. my brother and I did. Yeah, but the, <laughs> you still hate on each other now. You guys, mess? oh no, no. Well, we hate each other now for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he moved to Florida and became the epitome of everything terrible about Florida. And, okay, uh, that's fair. I'm only oh, he what he got old, retired, and voted Republican. <laughs> a lot of those things, yes. <laughs> uh, let's just say he's one of those people that is um, he has a lot of health problems, right? And he he desperately needs government assistance to get by. And so, of course, he consistently votes for people who want to get rid of that. <laughs> that's and, the that's the crazy American way. Yeah, that is. That is. This will help me. I've got to stop it. <laughs> right. All right. And then the second question is, what is your favorite game? What is your favorite role-playing game? Mm-hmm. You can say yours, but we'll judge you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't think I can fairly comment because <laughs> I don't play my game. So. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. That, yeah. That's, okay, another thing, a little uh, rabbit trail on this is, me and Ryan <laughs> fought this very long battle with multiple gaming orgs about, people who both run and play in their games and how that causes untold problems. It's an ongoing thing here oh too. My gosh. And we yeah. never won though. We consistently lost. Yeah, But Jason and I and firmly that, believe if you run an org, you should not be playing in one. I like how they say that when it was my original rule. <laughs> but I didn't play with her back then. So I don't remember it that way. So all the Perth orgs don't play their own game. And it's kind of this, Thing. it's like oh that all you know like you know i run a game and then people can enjoy this game and right. you know and then also other orgs can play the game i run mm-hmm. like it, it's a really good community spirit that they have like that in perth and adelaide starting to develop too um it's one of the things i would like to see developed again over on the east coast with the nerdballer games but i think with swordcraft in the mix um it's an uphill battle that'll be long fought and if we lose i won't be surprised but i also won't be upset um, but to, to go back to the question, what's yep. my favorite? Mm-hmm. No, but my, my answer is um, it's got to be Drakenfest. And I, like that, that sounds, it's, it sounds kind of silly, but it's mostly because the game that I mentioned earlier that I inherited from a friend and then didn't manage to keep going, um, which was Karuna. The character that I played at Karuna, I ported to Drakenfest. And I love playing that character because his his ideals and sensibilities are everything that that like that I kind of wish that I held more fervently in the way that he does and lived them 
every day the way that he does despite the fact that at every turn he meets with tragedy following his ideals and i didn't i didn't know this until recently the first game karuna where this character's from everyone was a bad guy and i had no idea like out of game or in game and so i walk in with this lawful good character <laughs> and i'm like trying to make alliances and stuff to stand up against like you know the the big evil in the story as well as like these other guys and it just Everyone was like anywhere from chaotic neutral through to chaotic evil <laughs> on the you know, additional sort of scale there. And, um, oh, sorry, true neutral, I suppose. There was a few true neutrals. But basically, like, neutrals in a world dominated by evil, like, they're going to, it's going to look like an evil world. And yeah, and he just got pummeled at every turn until my actual best friend came and started playing the game too. And he played another lawful good character and I didn't feel so bad, but then taking <laughs> the character to Drakenfest, the same like tripping over tragedy at every turn can dog him. Um, so much so that some guy came up and swore to me in 2018 that he was from silver camp and had lost his passport. I'm like, Oh, I'll help you get it back then and take him up to the guys that deal out the passport so you can get through the gate into the faction. <clears throat> And swore like, yeah, you know, he's sworn to me this oath that he is, you know, um, an honest and true and good man of silver. Rah, rah. And it's like, yo, you, you, you want to, you want to vouch for this man. It's like, yes, because he swore this to me. And I swear an oath in return that if he's deceived me, I will destroy him utterly. I swore this in front of him and the guy panicked. And I, I just thought it was because I was being cool and tough and scary as a knight. <laughs> And, then, and they asked me two more times, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yes, stop asking me. I'm a knight. I know what I'm doing. Turns out the guy was the chief spy and undermined Silver Camp's ability that year to win. And we all thought we were going to win. And then we didn't understand why we lost at the end. And it was my fault. <laughs> when I turned up last year, there's a wanted poster for me for high treason. <laughs> and I had to talk my way out. And the best I could get was um, they're like, okay, you have to make this right. You have to get him and bring him here for trial or we'll execute you instead after the circle of dragons is closed. So basically it would mean my character would perma die. And I was just like, Oh, but I love this character. So yeah. did you get him? Drakenfest. Uh, no, I got one of his cronies. Um, and in the final battle, I was back to back with a friend of mine um, who I really struggle to pronounce his name, but, in character he's her Rodenbeck. So if he's listening, um, you know, shout out to her Rodenbeck, you know, um, my boy. Um, we were like, we were, we were, we were, we were um, off to one side watching the last couple of banners go in, which were copper and red. And this guy's from copper faction too, this spy and little, um, so-and-so. And like what people can't see as... is there was a finger point. Little so-and-so. Yeah. And as soon as the copper banner went over into like to show that they'd come second in the final battle and the red banner was about to go over, all the guys in copper were in this honor guard where every other faction generally leaves a few people behind to form an honor guard for the banners walking in. It's a really nice gesture that everyone does. And as soon as their banner was over and red was just about to cross over, um, there's still like a cannon blast that sounds the end of the battle. They all said hail to red and then just turned all these copper faction guys and started killing everyone else and we're fighting back to back and we're like holy crap yo like yo it was like um you know it was like some bad boys you know or two guns kind of thing <laughs> you know back to back and like fighting guys off and then the cannon sounds and i turn around to look at my friend and be like yo what craziness was that real dog move 
and then I see the gut, the spy from last year. So the final battle's done. Everything's done. Like in terms of the rules, I can't do anything. And he was, he was no more than probably 10 feet away. And I was Uh. spewing. I was utterly spewing. (laughs) Maybe next year. (laughs) <laughs> maybe next year well my plan was for this year before it got cancelled was to take a whole bunch of friends which i had friends in 2018 too um and they all said are you sure you want to do this year i'm like shut up i know what i'm doing and then you know silver camp officials are you sure you want to do this shut up i know what i'm doing i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> so my plan was to take a whole bunch of friends and just like basically wait for this guy and just grab him you know smuggle him back to silver camp as soon as we were able but the best bit was, if we can quickly talk about this, the spy, the spy thing was so good. I should have known because in 2018, it was, we had this joke based around that whole phenomenon that was us and squatting with your heels on the ground that the internet was obsessed with. And, you know, if you have your heels up, you're an American spy. And we came up with, like, we came up with the notion that, oh, yeah, if you squat with your heels up, you're a copper spy. And, like, this is before the whole spy thing. And so we had a chant as a joke, which was, you know, you've got to squat with your heels to the ground. And we were just, like, out of game making people squat with their heels to the ground (laughs) or squat. And if their heels weren't on the ground, we'd chant, like, we'd get a random and chant, be like, copper spy, copper spy, now it's time for you to die. We did it to this guy when he came up asking for help, like as a joke. And he's freaking out, like backing away. And we're like, no, 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 we're just kidding. It was an out of game joke. So he thought he'd been done. And yeah, that should have been all that I needed to know. Anyway. <laughs> did it to myself. Well, thank think, you. <laughs> thank you yeah. for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Would Is your lawful, this lawful good character, by the way, would he allow Dan Comstock's character to buy him a drink? Um, well, this, they're friends. So I, I actually like, like, so my character, so package knows Sir Byron in, um, in, in, in game. So I suppose, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So long as, so long as it wasn't his, his night's company's money buying right. my, my company's <laughs> night a drink. Well, Brendan, we really appreciate you joining us from the future. Uh, and I from really the, appreciate traveling back in time. Yeah. And, and from the so other side of the world. The past. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for sharing a little bit about what, uh, what it's like gaming, uh, over in, in Australia. Where, where exactly yeah, are you in Australia? I'm in Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. So Victoria. Um, yeah. Nice. Is it warm? Probably there? the best city in the country. Just saying. And um, <laughs> honestly, one of the best places uh, in terms of, like I was saying at the start, as a hub for LARP. That's great. Ooh. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Thank it was good you. talking to you. All right, welcome to Game Wrap. It's spooky talking to somebody who lives in the future. It is. <laughs> so, it, I just want to say one of the funny, something really funny that he said before we, uh, before we started recording, though, uh, I was, I was laughing about him actually being in the future, and uh, and he he said he said that he had flying cars, and that the oh. yeah he said that the. One day made all the difference. <laughs> One day makes all the difference. There we go. We just got to hold yeah. on, everyone. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow, flying Tomorrow cars. we shall have flying cars. <laughs> of course, we're in the past for everybody listening. Right. And so is he. 
Oh, this That's is really true. meta now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, on a on a different tangent, one day my my boss at work, whose name is CJ, is going to get to this episode, and I'd like to note that he shamed me for not ever finishing the role playing game that I, I used to be working on, and I never finished. So there. For he shame. brought it up. He's like, "Hey, I'm on episode nine. I'd like to see that game you were writing two years ago, because surely it's finished by now." <laughs> <laughs> so, she's got to wait until episode uh, what 325 to find yeah. out no it's not done yet <laughs> no no I, I told him and he's like oh 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 and like I just want to say I appreciate you shaming me CJ it's, uh, it's a highlight of my day <laughs> good times alright well let's give yeah. experience points uh, Carrie congratulations yes. you get one experience point alright let's roll what if on I buy you a beer Oh, I'm I'm not actually able to accept a beer uh, because I'll give you two. The well, I can accept three. Three. Oh, three. Yeah, all right. Hey, okay, hey, fine. Hey, hey, you know what? My ethics aren't that strong. <laughs> how, how strong are your ethics? Three beers. Three beers. That's where it is. <laughs> all right. Let's see what, what if you it's get. A cider. Oh well, that's two. That's two then. So all right. Let's see what you get on the magic item cart chart. Oh look, <laughs> it's a boomerang plus one and <laughs> plus one versus gollywogs. Oh, I don't know. Keep saying that word. I don't know if this works. I don't know. I don't know. Jason, you get one experience yeah. point for playing. Yeah. Let's don't see. Give him one. Let's see. Oh, and you get one shrimp and one Barbie. I'm okay with that. Yeah. All right. Cool. What? Good times. Mm. Yeah, Good times. If either of you can tell me what Australian is for beer, you can get one more extra point. Uh, I have no idea. I, I can't read Australian. No, what's that? <laughs> what is that? I was just trying to remember what that. There's this the, terrible. The, yeah, commercial. Really oh, you really don't know? It's Foster's. Foster's. Oh, Jason gets oh, yeah. the experience okay. point. All right. Yeah. I'll wait. There you go. Mm. <laughs> I love accents. Yeah. It's weird that none of us have one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Everybody else in the world. <laughs> I'm going to go drink a pop. Oh, no. That's a colloquialism. Right. Well, technically, that's yeah, true. Okay. All right. Well, you can find us at Honor Roll Podcast on Twitter and uh, Facebook.com slash group slash Honor Roll Podcast. You can go to Honor Roll if you want to see our website and look at the, uh, you know, um, stuff well no you know what there's bio bios there of our guests and there things are. like that so there's stuff on our website and then you can also listen to us on pod, apple podcasts and stitcher mm. and anywhere else that you listen to your garbage so what oh my gosh what 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 be nice okay all right fine sweat stop it Uh, All right, join us join us next week when our topic is, well, now that I have a flying car, how the hell do I park it? <laughs> Until then, I'm Ryan the Curmudgeon. Carrie the Legend was here. Jason the Favorite was here. Remember that the only way to win a role-playing game was to have fun. Would, would you use a tether? The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lock, motion, everything.